0: (laughs) All right, we have today, and we have tomorrow, and that's it. Uh,
1: And Wednesday.
0: Wednesday's questions and answers. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right. So... So we discussed that some people either by nature or by habit do not need to put any um, conscious focus, conscious effort into their practice of Judaism. The example being that somebody who is naturally studious or they've developed a the habit like in the ancient times of reviewing their studies a hundred times Now, For them, the fact that they are doing as God wishes them to do is not really reflecting any kind of service of God, and therefore they're called someone who does not serve God, even though they are not wicked because they're not actually transgressing God's will. That was what we've covered up until now, yes? Okay. So, the, the next little bit um, explains uh, a section of the Gemara of the Talmud based on this idea, and what I would like to do is I want to read it, um, and analyze that, and and um, if we finish that, we can go forward. But I want I want to kind of just focus on this particular passage of the Talmud and how he explains it. So we are on page. your page numbers, right? Yes. Yeah. Sixty six. Um, or Chaf Aleph, on the right column, the top, near the top of the page, the paragraph begins with a little gray box that says second of Shvat." This will explain the statement to the Gemara that one who serves God refers to one who reviews his lesson 101 times, while one who does not serve him refers to one who repeats his lesson no more than 100 times. And this is because in those days we're customary to review each lesson 100 times. As indeed illustrated in the Gemara, By the example taken from the market where the donkey drivers used to hire themselves out at a rate of 10 parsangs for a zoos. A zoos was a coin. If you want to hire a donkey driver to take you somewhere, if you're going up to 10 parsangs, you pay a zoos. What's a parsang? It is a measure of distance. It's known as a Persian mile. Okay. How much is a Persian mile? I don't know either. Okay, does it really matter? 200. What? A <laughs> <laughs> mil is 200 amas. Yeah, it's yeah. 200 Amas. okay. So, and if you wanted to go for 11 parsangs, they would charge you two Zuzim, because that exceeded their customary practice. So what do we see from this? That the rate for going up one parsing beyond the customary amount doubles the price. Yes.
1: In Hebrew, like the trait it? Is that means two? Yes. Wow. Sounds like three.
0: No. Class is three, and it's Aramaic. Okay. For the same reason, the 101st revision, which is beyond the normal practice, which is student having accustomed custom childhood, is considered equivalent to all the previous 100 put together and even surpassing them, in endurance and effort. Okay. So, we have, an, we have an idea that if you review more than your customary amount, that that's considered an uh, effort. And that's what it says, that's, that hence they are entitled to be called one who serves God. And the analogy of that is the market, right? Where the market, you hire somebody to do what's normal, you pay one price, you hire to do above and beyond what's normal, you pay... Way much more money, yes? 10 parsos, 10 parsangs for one zoos, 11 parsangs for two zoos. Okay. Now, does it really make sense that if you were, the 101st time is equivalent to all the other 100 times? But that's what he says, right? Make some sense. What? Make some
1: sense. Why? Because that's like, a hard
0: like it's not in your, like you're expected to do 100 times your first time because it's the effort involved yeah let me let me ask you about the, the the donkey drivers we don't have donkey drivers so we'll just have to just imagine is it really that much harder for the donkey driver to take you the extra extra 11th parsa that was 11th persian mile than the normal ten,
1: yeah. that one extra
0: mile is worth the equivalent. Like, like that's, that's it. W- that's. It it but that idea of going out as routine. That w- like, why does that make it mean have the same price? Yeah. Like it, it, sounds nice, but stop to think about. It. Like, think about the economics of it. What uh, you go a little bit beyond the extra, all of a sudden you're paying double. Mm-hmm. Why? Cause it's beyond the routine, it's beyond the normal. Business. Ah, so, so the explanation, business, you can, <laughs> guys, are like, look, I mean, you know, I can charge you for it, right? It's like a parking ticket
1: when you are
0: one minute late. Yep. Them the parking tickets, the parking tickets are 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 there because they want to control people's behavior. That's what this is. Like, why? Be, he said, "Because it's beyond the normal, therefore you're going to pay double. You're paying ten times as much. You're paying. You're paying two You're paying ten times as much for that eleventh mile than you were paying for the first ten. Why? Because it's beyond the camel driver's normal routine. It, it seems weird. Is it really? Is it really that much more effort to go to go yeah, beyond
1: that's the typical schedule?" It depends. There could be contexts where it makes sense,
0: and could be contexts where. Well, you have to come up with the context where it does make sense. Otherwise, this whole analogy doesn't work. I mean, yeah. the problem of I an mean, analogy doesn't doesn't isn't meaningful. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't help to explain the other idea that you're trying to use an analogy for. What? How would this possibly make sense? Well, it's kind of. I don't
1: have a great answer, to that. it's showing how the like the physical value that you see, So in mean, here, the distance is actually not. It's actually
0: the most important. Okay.
1: Well, I'm so formally in my thoughts. All I'm thinking is that you you have to do the base in order to get to this next. I mean, it's, it's a bit yeah, like extra mile that
0: considered a whole new journey. I'm paying for your journey. Like a your journey the tenant's of journey, and anything about this. Yeah, but why? That's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> but but then that's not a good analogy, right? You're trying to explain something else. All right, some economics, shall we? The price of things is a negotiation between those who are providing the good or service and those who are paying for it, right? Consuming it, yes? Yeah. Okay. Now, why is the normal distance that the donkey drivers go, 10 miles, 10 Persian miles, whatever it is. Why? Why is that the standard in the business? So people
1: usually that's that's what what it's, it's what, it's
0: what people usually have to go. Right, in other words, the donkey drivers, right, are selling their services for people who actually want their services, right? So if people normally wanted to go 17 miles, then what would be the business standard? Miles. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. No, it's, 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 just get this. If you ever open a business, you can't just decide like this is how I want to run my business. You have to like work with the consumers. Right. You want to help us, like, uh, so you know, that know everyone knows that everyone knows what everyone Right. Make sense. Yeah. Okay. So, the donkey driver. Right knows that he can charge somebody who is a regular customer up to a certain price, right? Okay. So the group of people who are purchasing up to 10 parses is a larger group of people, right? And there's a lot of donkey drivers. And so given the supply and demand, the the price is, you know, what seems... Reasonable for everyone concerned is is one zoos whatever that whatever how much a zoos was worth right but what if your summit needs to go more than ten miles
1: and you're willing to pay then the do will okay the same amount because the hot supply and demand is not the same.
0: right the supply and demand is not the same your need is like a very unique need right mm-hmm. and so now the person's like well I mean you know he, you need something right that's outside the standard market, right? So if you need it, you have to be really like willing to pay, pay for it, right? And I'm going outside of my, I'm going, right. so the, the need of the consumer is much greater, right? And the donkey driver, right, is, is going outside of their normal market. And so it's a different negotiation. So what I want you to think about it is like this. It's not like it's a, it's not like oh, there's ten and then there's a new price. It's like two different things so I'm going to give you like, give you a modern example because we don't usually do these donkeys okay um, what well, a normal thing that people normal a normal thing that um, people a, 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 normal thing, a normal thing that people buy or a service that people get, let's say is. Um, let's say someone to be your lawyer, right? So, what does a lawyer do? What are things a lawyer do? You hire someone to be your lawyer. They, you. well, they do court. They defend your right? Okay. Okay. What are something that you wouldn't have expect your lawyer to do? It relates to law, but it would... okay. That's some something still related to the same area of law. Right, you wouldn't have the lawyer search your sentence, right? But let's go something a little more normal. So you would have the lawyer. You would have the lawyer represent you in court. You have the lawyer file paperwork, right? Those are things the lawyer would do, right? Okay. Would you have the lawyer? Um, would you have the? Would 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 you have the lawyer? Um, do all of the research for your case. Yeah, that's the thing pay a pay pay lawyer to do, right? Would you have? Would you have? Um, would you have a lawyer find an expert to testify on your behalf? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. These are many different things. Now, do all lawyers do all of these things? No. Now, some lawyers, right? Some lawyers, like many times, like say you're buying a house, you're buying, you just need paperwork issues, like the paperwork is complicated. You need a lawyer, right? So the lawyer that they just do, like, do basic real estate transactions, right, they're operating in a market where what you need from a lawyer is someone who knows how to do the legal paperwork properly, right? There's a totally different kind of lawyer who's, like, doing research and finding expert testimony to defend you in court, right? See, those are two totally different things? Mm -hmm. Okay. And because they're two totally different things, do they have totally different rates of value for the person purchasing the service and the person providing the service? Okay. okay. When you're taking when you're when you're traveling beyond the normal thing, it's a totally different negotiation. You need something that most people don't need, and you need somebody that's willing to do something that most people aren't willing to do. And that changes the entire nature of that relationship. It's no longer a standard person getting a standard service, right? It's an individual person getting a unique service. And that's going to have different rates. Does that make sense? Okay. So now I wanted to take a second. Does it really make sense to say that the person who studies 101 times as opposed to the 100 times, that that extra one time is so different, it's so phenomenal, that it changes everything? No. No, it's just one extra time. It oh. must it must be that there's something else behind it, something else going on that changes the value of that. Right. In other words, just like with the thing, it's not a question of miles per money. Right. There's a question of how much value you, as the purchaser, see in what you're purchasing, what your negotiating powers, how right, how willing people are to do this. Right. And if you have you want a, something that is in that is that is less people are willing to do, and it's really important to you, you're going to end up paying more. Right, and you don't look at the exact specific amount of thing that we're, that's going on. Right, you have to look at what's really underneath it. I'll give you a, a, a different example. Okay, um, I'm speaking with someone about remodeling things in my house. So he said, "Look," he says, "before he says if he says, if you want if you want to make any changes before I before I actually do anything, that's fine. It doesn't really cost it doesn't really cost me anything. Right, I have to bring the workers anyway. I tell them to knock down five meters." Three meters. Build this wall here. Build that wall there. It's basically all the same. So you make a change in the plan before. That doesn't cost me anything. Doesn't cost you anything, right? You make one change after I put up a wall. You want to move it one centimeter? It's going to cost me. I have to bring back the workers. I have to take down the wall I have to put up the wall. It's an entirely different thing. So I'm. You know, you look at the plan. You move. You move wall. this much wall. You move that much wall. You have to think about it in terms of what you need and what the providers, what you're doing, right? To to redo work once it's done is a totally different thing then to, to make changes even though I'm saying well, here I'm, you hear you're moving the wall more or here you're knocking down more it doesn't matter when, when, in other words what you have to do is you have to realize is that underneath all this is the value that the two parties place on what's going on how much, how much value does the purchaser of the, wha- of the donkey place in his travels and how, right, and how much value does the wagon driver, the donkey driver, place on his time and his effort? And once you move that into a different negotiation, it has a different standard. So what I want to do is I want to, like, before we get to the text, I want to think about the following. If I'm looking at the question of the amount that somebody accomplishes, is the 101st time that different than the first 100 times? Just the numbers? Just the numbers. No. But if I'm looking at the value that it has to God, might it be different?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. And now I have to ask, well, what makes that have different value? Okay. Now, and I want to, just, is the issue the effort? Is is, 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 is is what makes it more valuable the effort? No. No. So
1: it's the intention.
0: The Okay, that's what we're going to get to. It, it, it's not the effort itself, okay? And that's why he says it's actually the, – w- w- the way God looks at it is that, that 101st time is worth more than all the other times. Now, there's no way that – there's no way that the effort that goes into that is more than all the effort of reviewing the first 100 times. It's not about the – it's not a question of effort. Maybe it's more effort because I mean, it's, it's outside their habits. There's something about the way that 101st is done which changes everything, okay? In other words, in, instead of thinking of it as, 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 a, as a quantitative issue, it's worth more, it's worth less, I want you to think it as qualitatively. Like, it's a different thing going on there, okay? When you're getting a standard product, you're involved in one kind of financial negotiation. When you're getting a non-standard product or service, you're operating an entirely different Arena, right? You know one of the cool things about being wealthy is? I'm not wealthy, but you know one of the cool things about being wealthy is? I mean, that. Yeah, but one of the cool things that we wealthy that people don't realize if you're not wealthy, unless you spend time thinking about it, you don't play by the same rules of economics that everyone else does. Right. You go to the store and the product is not available. So what do you do? What? Okay, it's not available. They don't make that. But if you're wealthy, you can get anything custom made. They don't have the flight when you need it. You ever think about this? You don't have the You look for a flight. They don't have a flight when you need it.
1: You have to be super.
0: That's right. It's a totally, there's like, there's two tiers. There's people who have a lot of money. They can buy everything that is standardly available. And then there's people, right? like going back to the lawyer thing, right? There's the lawyer does the standards, the, the standard like paperwork stuff. There's the lawyer who represents you in court. Then there's certain very high powered lawyers. What do they do? They can get whatever they want. Whatever you'll pay them to do. <laughs> <I> <laughs> whatever you'll pay them like to that they think they can get away with. Right? Yes, there are lawyers like that. But yeah. you, to have access to that kind of lawyer, you're operating in a totally different market. Right. In other words, what I want you to see is that even though we're talking about quantity, one zoos, two zoos, ten miles, one mile, what we're doing is that, that moving outside the ordinary is changing the quality of everything. Okay? One of, one of the things in general that, that, that is sometimes confusing is that very often we use numbers in Judaism um, to represent qualities rather than just quantities. Just to give you a simple example, the number 10 in Judaism, like 10 men make a minion, it's not just that 10 is one more than nine. It's that when there's 10, something is qualitatively different. All sorts of mitzvahs can be done that can't be done when there's just nine people. Okay. Right. Sh- the shekin arrest, and there's a whole question whether the, a man's minion is just because of shekin arresting or not, um, or there's other issues involved. Um, and so the, the, the idea here that up to this amount is worth one, and, up, and then a little bit more is worth two, the idea behind that is once you're moving beyond the standard, you're operating a different market. It's a different kind of value, and therefore everything is being negotiated. Everything every, The finances are being negotiated differently. Okay, Let me give you another example. Okay? Um, why is it important i did say I'm not saying it's always important throughout history but in the modern world why is it important that parents take their children out of school from time to time so why not just leave them in school there and like do it after school
1: taking away from something or a children special. Right?
0: Right. There's, there's a quality that can only be achieved, right? You know, there's a quality that can be achieved specifically because it's outside of the
1: normal routine, the norm,
0: the normal routine right? Because we live very regimented lives and our, our, our lives are structured in very impersonal manner, right? Things start at specific times. We spend our times in institutions, right? There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of a bonding that gets lost in that. And if you like, you work around like spending time with family after school, right? you're implicitly kind of equating that relationship with all the other kind of, you know, impersonal structure that we have in modern society. But what happens when the parent takes the kid out, picks the kid up early from school, or keeps the kid home one day, and they just go out for ice cream or something like that, just because, once in a while. Doesn't even have to be, it's so special, right? Because that, it, 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 it's showing that there's a different dynamic at play, right? It has a different quality. Almost
1: like it takes over.
0: Right. And so, right? You know, you, you, and so the the, so the idea is that in economics, you have these things that are totally different. There's the standard market, and then there's the you know the custom things.
1: So when you do it though, it's not just hundred first, hundred second, that's just everyone after that. No. Because you are in a different field.
0: So, so you can, but you can actually say it's not just the hundred first; it's the hundredth, and the 99th, and the ninety eighth.
1: No, because as soon as if you're bringing all your notions of like economics, all these things, it's...
0: Well, because, what's the, because we need to know what's the quality of the 101st. If that quality of the 101st is, is actually there in the first 100. In other words, want, In other words, there's something that needs to be present in the 101st that we're going to talk about. But that thing that's present in the 101st doesn't have to show up just the 101st. It could show up. That
1: extra mile before.
0: Before. Okay. Notice what I want you to move away from thinking is that it simply is a quantitative issue. It's not doing more. And you're going to see that when we keep reading the text. But in the analogy, it's not the more. Because if you think about this analogy, the more you did a little bit more, so you pay double. It's like, it doesn't make sense when you think about that. Just, no, no. If you're going, you're going outside the standard market, it's a whole separate kind of a thing. If you're going to do something beyond your normal, then you're not operating in the same space that you were operating in your, before. Does that make sense? Okay. This is going to be very very important because and I want to just talk um, uh, the analogy of uh, the example you used about Torah study. There is something very weird about this analogy of studying 101 times. Why? Because is a man required to study Torah as much as he possibly can? Yeah. So if he only reviews his studies 100 times and he could have reviewed them 101 times, then isn't he sinning by neglecting Torah study? technically. And then he wouldn't be abandoning it at all, right? So it's irrelevant, right? So it must be that this person, instead of studying, instead of reviewing his studies 101 times, if he reviewed it 100 times, he would have still studied studied something else, right? Mm -hmm. Because if he was just neglecting Torah study, then it's not a question of is he serving or not serving, that's a question of sinning and not sinning. Now, what if qualitatively this person really needs the 101st review in order to remember what he's learned? Then... If he doesn't do that hundred first review, is he sinning? Yeah. Yeah, because a man's requirement to study Torah is not just maximizing the time he studies Torah, but to study in such a way that he doesn't forget. Yeah. So you have to talk about a person who, if he studied a hundred times, he would have remembered. And when he's, he stops at the hundredth time, he's not neglecting the mitzvot of Torah; so he's moving on to study other Torah. So now you have to ask yourself, what's the point of studying the hundred first time? I want you to think. The thing, I want you to think about this. If you were to say that he's studying Torah as opposed to doing something else, well, then that that's not the question of serving God, not serving God, it's the question of sinning versus not sinning. If you say that he's studying 100 times was not as good for his retention as 101 times, then again, there's an element of sinning there. It's, it's not
1: himself.
0: There has to be, it's something, in other words, it's not just he's studying more as opposed to studying less. He's studying better as opposed to studying shallower. There's something about why he's studying that is different. Because for a man, and this is what's unique about this, for the man, there's no, like, like, if he could study more Torah, he has to study more Torah. If he could retain it better, he has to retain it better. And if he chooses not to do so, then he's sinning. And then it's not the question of serving God versus not serving God. It's the sin of being wicked or not being wicked. Now, from there, you can learn something else about things that are not like that. So let's take an example of something which is not um, where if you don't do more, you're not saying. Let's say tzedakah. There is a minimum amount of tzedakah you're required to give. Okay. If you, it doesn't matter what the minimum is. It's complicated to calculate the minimum. If you give more than the minimum, now remember giving the minimum. It, you're not sitting. If you give more than the minimum, are you necessarily serving God? No. Just like, remember, with the, with the Torah study, the example is not that he's doing more Torah study, but his Torah study is coming from a different kind of a place, and that's indicated by the fact he reviews 101 as opposed to 100. Like, like there's the normal market, and then there's this like special stuff market, people to travel unusual distances. If you are giving tzedakah beyond the minimum, I'm not saying that it's bad to give beyond the minimum. You should give beyond the minimum. Does that necessarily make it serving God? No, because you need this quality. So what is this quality? So now, keeping that in mind, let's read what the quality is. For in order to change his habitual nature, he must arouse the love of God by means of meditation in his mind on the greatness of God in order to gain mastery over the nature that is in the left part of his heart, which is full of blood of the animal soul, originating from the klipa, from where his nature comes. What is required for someone to study to review that 101st time? So there's, he says a lot of things there. So let's start, let's start with the last thing. The last thing is gaining mastery over his nature. And what's causing him to gain mastery over his nature? Contemplation. No.
1: Recognizing
0: a, a love of God, and what's generating the love of God? meditation, the greatness of God. Okay, so I want you to see the three things. There's m- gaining mastery over his nature. What is giving him mastery over his nature? The love of Hashem. The love of Hashem. What is generating the love of Hashem? In
1: contemplating.
0: In contemplating Hashem. Now like why can't he just decide to learn hundred first time? Like couldn't he just do that? There's
1: not.
0: Just not natural. I want. No, I
1: just want
0: to focus on the quantity. has he if if the person if a person learns 101 times supposed to 100 times. Have they gained mastery over their nature or are they yes. just they are not gain mastery of their nature. So what does it mean to gain mastery of your nature? that's the element there. There's this gaining mastery over your nature. And then going to what causes that, and then what causes that. And okay.
1: you're saying this is someone that
0: would, meaning he would really just
1: go learn something else. Right, right. Learning
0: this topic. All right, so we have a person who, by nature, would learn a hundred times. He would master it. He would understand it. And then move on to the next topic, right? And yet he continues to learn the thing a hundred and first time. Why? Not because... It's important to learn the hundred first time because if that was the case then he would have to learn the hundred first time that's the nature of talk. Okay, so what I want what I want you to understand is like this. When you are doing something because it's the right thing to do you haven't mastered your nature. What you've done is you've exercised control over your behavior. Which is extremely important, but that's not the same thing as mastery over your nature. I'll explain to you what I mean, okay? I'm gonna use an exa- a different example where it's a little bit easier to see the idea, and then we'll come back. Let's say you're really angry. ever been really angry? Angry?
1: Angry. Oh.
0: <laughs> yes, you've been really angry? No. Never been angry. Okay.
1: I've never been really angry. Okay. Thank God.
0: Okay, if somebody is really angry, do they still have the capacity to act properly? They don't? That's what I'm asking you. So you have the capacity, yeah. Okay. okay. Does that mean you're not angry? No. No? Okay. So, and we, okay. What if you are, I'll use another, what if you are sad? Could you still act properly even if you're sad? Yeah. Yeah. What?
1: It's sad, and then there's just being in You couldn't
0: actually teach not to. You could. Not to I'm
1: asking. You could. You could. You
0: could. Yeah. It
1: feels like I keep getting home, but it's the right thing to
0: do. Yeah. So let's say, for instance, you have a job. You need to pay the bills. You really hate your boss, or your bo- or your job is just like a drag, and you feel miserable being there. Could you still get yourself to go to work and do what you need to do to get paid? Yes. Okay. You have to do that. Yeah, you can do that.
1: that uh, we can put your in tomorrow?
0: Have you? Have you? does that an
1: example?
0: <laughs> That's not an example of mastering your nature. Okay. It's just okay. You haven't changed anything about you haven't. You haven't dealt with your nature. What you've simply done is you, 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 is because you're not an animal. Your nature doesn't control your behavior. You have the free will to decide how to behave basically. Now, that's an extremely important thing to be able to do, okay? Do you want to know the bright red line between children and adults? That. That's the bright red line between children and adults. That's when someone's acting
1: immature, or when people, adults call other people immature
0: if they don't act like that. That's right. In other words, a child cannot do that, and an adult can do that. Okay, what age do we feel in Judaism that a person has developed that degree to a sufficient capacity that they're expected to maintain it under all normal circumstances? Barabbas mitzvah. It's true. It's absolutely true. Now... What would it mean to gain mastery over your nature? Is if something makes you upset, and then
1: you're not upset.
0: Then you're not upset. Something you feel sad, and now you're not sad. Why? Because who controls? Who's in control? Your nature, or something else? Whatever the something else is, right? In other words, if if, if this if, if if somebody does something, they make me annoyed, right? And I'm like, okay, now I'm annoyed with them, and I really like to to do something nasty, but it's wrong, so I won't do it, right? I'm controlling my behavior, but the nature is that when someone does something that bothers me, I get annoyed at them, and that's still fixed. That's still still stuck in that. Or if I'm sad about something, and so now I'm like in a down mood, well, that's my nature, and I'm stuck that way. In other words, the nature of the person is not just the the behavior. The nature of the person is, is the kind of mode and way they are possible? Awesome. Yes. Okay. Now, the nature of a studious person is how often, do, how much do they reveal? What is the nature of a studious person? Whether it's an intrinsic nature or developed or second nature based on habit, how much do they review? A hundred times. A hundred times is what they did back then. I want to know what, like, how, not a number, like, uh, how much does it put? Until you know it and or to make sh- until you know it and you retain it, right? Okay. Is there any point in reviewing more than that? Yeah. No. You want to someone. Now, what if it's not your, what if you don't have good study habits? What if your nature is not to be very studious? But it's important for you to know something. Can you force yourself to review as much as you need to in order to? Yeah. Sure. But how much would you force yourself to review? As much as is necessary, right?
1: Not more. Or even a little less.
0: Well, a little less is because you're not, you're not t- taking control of your behavior. If you need to, if, if, if whatever's necessary, that's what's needed. Well, how do you know it's necessary? That's a separate question. Um, in the beginning, you take advice from other people, and over time, you start to develop a sense of how much you really need and what way you really need. Okay? Now... You ever eaten chocolate cake? If there's two pieces of chocolate cake on your plate and you eat one, you just naturally stop because you had enough chocolate cake? Generally not. That's generally not what people do, yes? Okay. okay. Have you ever read a good book and the book ended and you were kind of disappointed because it was a really good book and you wish there were a few more chapters? So there are things you keep doing because you feel a kind of connection to them, right? Okay. So now here's the thing: the piece of the Torah you're reading, the Torah. Why would you move on to the next thing? You know it. You're gonna remember it. You understood it. Why do you keep? Why it's keep addictive. reviewing it? What? It's addictive. It's addictive. Well, what's so addictive about it?
1: You are so obsessed with
0: it. love the truth. What? Well, I mean, you could go on to some other piece of Torah. If
1: you're going on another piece of Torah, that means you're learning, meaning if you're staying on it, it's basically not about the like. The,
0: it's not about, you're right, it's not uh, about. It's
1: not about, stimulation cause it, it's not about the like, it intu- uh, kind of is because you're staying on
0: it. But like, it's
1: basically not just about the intellectual stimulation.
0: It's not about the ideas, it's about what?
1: Well, the complex, I mean, the like. You enjoy it? Familiar, that's what?
0: The the your life to it. Well, what did the text say? What, why is this person reviewing it a the first time? Because
1: you love Hashem.
0: You love Hashem, and where? What are you? What are you doing when you're studying Torah? You connect.
1: You're, feeling that you're connect. You're
0: connected to Hashem. So if I love Hashem, and when I review this, I'm connected to Hashem. Then do I need to move on to the next thing? No. No. it's mm-hmm.
1: so crazy. But yeah. you can find it anywhere, also. Yeah. What? I'm saying it's not just running Torah anywhere.
0: No, but that's the example he's using. Okay. So now it's like this. In other words, what's the mastery of your nature? The nature of a person is how much does a person feel like they need to review as much as they are accustomed to reviewing, right? And you could push yourself to review more if you understand that the reviewing is important. But if the reviewing is not important because you've already mastered it, you already know it, right? Then why sit on that an 101st time or 102nd time? It must be that it's I not about. What are you doing? Are you reviewing a piece of information so no. you remember it and understand it, or are I'm you? Connecting con- you're connecting to Hashem, yeah. and if I'm connecting to Hashem, and I and, because I love being with Hashem. Like. But you could say the
1: mitzvah
0: too. It's hundred percent. I'm not saying. That,
1: that's not- I should do one mitzvah because I am so feel so connected to Hashem through this one specific mitzvah. This one p- particular part of Tyra, I connect with so much to Hashem, and I love so much. So I just keep on doing it.
0: And what's wrong with that? I don't know <laughs> it
1: sounds excessive. All I mean, you all put the like time that loses the sister. No, no, no! I don't. We should do one thing. It's not that you're
0: doing all No, thing. No, 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 no! It's we not should that you're
1: find a thing that makes us. Feel
0: so connected, No, 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 no. You know, so so you you. It's what's that? What's that? What's that? What, 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 you okay, okay. you 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 misinterpreted something. I'm not saying that the person saying this part of Torah they feel so connected to Hashem in this part of Torah. What I'm saying is that why are they studying Torah generally? What does it say? What what does it say? If this person is learning hundred because they love Hashem. Okay, and it Torah connects you to Hashem. Yes. So if that's the reason you're learning Torah, is there any reason to turn the page? No. That's it. Now, if I had been on this page, I would be on that page. It doesn't matter. It
1: also let, me, let me give you let me give, let me give let me give you, me
0: give you an announcement, okay? I happen I happen to like I happen to like spending time with my wife. It's a good thing. You have. Yeah, it's a good thing. Not not every couple is so blessed. Okay, now, you know, if you do, you do you end up if you if you if you if you live life together, do you end up having the same conversations. Yeah. No. Same, you do, same yeah, up, yeah, you yeah, the same issues come up, you say the same thing, We say the same jokes. <gasps> not, not everything is literally the same. Yeah,
1: no, no. my parents are saying conversation.
0: they the
1: same, It's so yeah. not <laughs> original. It's actually
0: so weird. And it's not, like, sometimes you talk to people because they have interesting things to say. Sometimes you talk to people because you want to spend. And so, could you talk about the same thing you talked about last week?
1: Because i like,
0: so. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't really matter what you spoke about. It doesn't like it's a different quality of thing. Okay, now I, there's still a halachic structure of how we have to live life, right? So I can't say, well, like I'm with Hashem when I eat matzah. I'm gonna eat matzah 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 five days a year, including dish of Avonim That's that's it's not the point. The point is, if it's a mitzvah, if it's Torah, if it's Judaism, I'm connecting to Hashem in that, right? And if I love Hashem, then do I want to? Mo- then 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 this is good for me. So why do I need to move on to the next page if I'm with Hashem on this page?
1: that If I end
0: up discovering that there's something missing in my relationship with Hashem if I stay on this page, I'll move on to the next page. But that's a different thing altogether. Your person's operating in a different space. What is happening? There is a person who, what what is motivating them to review is not intellectually, it's really important to know the Torah and understand the Torah, that's the mitzvah, and therefore you have to review X number of times in order to retain that. And for some people, that comes naturally. Some people, they have to, some people, they have to like, force themselves to do it. No, this person, why are they learning Torah? So they're searching for
1: something
0: new that they haven't seen before. No,
1: the person is not. No, the person
0: serving God. God. This person thinks: serving They love God, and, and where can they be with Hashem in Torah? And if they can be with Hashem in Torah, does it really matter if it's this part of Torah or the next part of Torah? All the same. Now, if they discover that there's something missing in this part and they need to go to that part, they'll go to that part. But 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 if that's not the case, they've no they they they're perfectly comfortable staying in this part of Torah. You want to, There was a this is there was a great rabbi. His name was the Vilna Gaon. Not exactly known to be a tremendous supporter of the Hasidic movement, but he um. One time, went into the the, the and asked, "Who here learns Torah for its own sake? you learn Torah because it's Torah." Who raised
1: their hand?
0: Some idiot raised his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we wouldn't have a story. <laughs> and so the Vilna Gom went over to him and opened up the first verse of Dira Yomim, the Book of Chronicles. Does anyone know the first verse of the Book of Chronicles? <laughs> Adam and Enosh. Three words. Adam, Shes, Enosh. Adam, the name of a man. Shes is the name of his son, and Enosh is the name of his son. It's a lineage, genealogy. Adam, he told Shays. Him to read it
1: 101 times.
0: And he told him read the verse. He read the verse. He said, read it again, read it again. And at some point, he got sick of it. Ah ha, ha, ha So you're not learning Torah for, because of Torah. You're learning Torah because it's intellectually stimulating. You're learning Torah because it's intellectually satisfying. You're learning Torah for something that you can exhaust its use, and now you need to do what? Uh-huh. The person who's studying Torah the hundred and one times, what Let's is? Say,
1: Adam uh, shakes done uh, uh, hundred and one times and loves it and feels connected to Hashem. Because, because very, 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 very high.
0: Yes, because what is this? What because what has happened is that this person, what because what are we describing? We're describing a person. Do people na- is a person is nat- a person is naturally drawn to all sorts of human experiences: food, beauty, intellectual stimulation, right? And this person has mastered their nature that now instead they brought themselves to feel what? Addictive. A love for Hashem. And where does one find Hashem in? Torah. And if you found Hashem in this particular part of Torah, is there any reason to leave and move on to some other part of Torah? In principle, no. So is this person like pushing himself to go 101st time? No. That's the mastery of their nature. You see what I'm saying? The mastery of their nature is they've completely redefined the relationship and experience of Torah. And from this, you can extend to what it would mean to do this with other mitzvahs. The person who is serving God with giving tzedakah is not pushing themselves to give more tzedakah than they want. They've changed the relationship with Hashem, which has therefore changed how they experience giving tzedakah. No, because as I point out is you could do 101 times, because you read in the Talmud that doing 100 times maybe gives you the special status of one who serves God, and you want to be right. holier than everyone else, you push yourself to do a little bit more, but then you're not really doing. It has to change something you right? That's the, the mastery of your nature is not the mastery over your behavior. It's a mastery over the way you relate to things.
1: But that doesn't happen the first time
0: It happens before the first.: That's what the point is. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is that the is that that's not at the hundred and first time that person all of a sudden changes their approach? It's at the hundred and first time the fact that that's their approach has become manifest. Right. It's evident. Right. You see that this is something different going on. Does it
1: bother you? What? It bother you that it's
0: such a high level? Why should it bother me? I don't know. I mean, if I was going to burn in hell because I didn't achieve this high level, then maybe it would bother me. I mean, if you're asking a personal question, I'll tell you like this. Everybody has different temperaments. Um, I am more predisposed to valuing things because they are deep and profound and lofty. The more easily accessible something is, the less likely I am to think it's important. So you say, this is something we can all achieve so easily. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm not interested. Tell me the hard thing. Tell me the thing that not everybody gets. But that's just me personally. That's That's my temperament. Um, some people are the opposite, right? Some people the fact that something is so demanding makes is it puts them off. I mean, that just different people, of different natures. But at an oh, objective level, this is, is just we're just exactly. describing the truth. This exactly. is the reality of it. It's very high. It is. So now, now what? Well, how does a person get to this place? Yeah. How do you get to this place that you feel that way towards Hashem that it changes what doing mitzvahs means to you subjectively? What does it say? That comes through the contemplation of the greatness of God. In other words, this person has to be putting a lot of work in having in, in, in cultivating and maintaining a clear sense of how important, how great God is so that they feel this way. Because remember, has this person actually truly transformed themselves to someone who's just naturally in love with God? No. This is a person who's not naturally, doesn't naturally That's feel so. this way. That would be a topic. So you have a person who, by their nature... Right, they're perfectly fine, you know, keeping the Torah. They're perfectly fine learning Torah and mitzvahs and doing all this stuff. But it, 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 it's because it fits their personality, it fits their habits, it fits um, the way that it fits their nature. It's not a reflection of a, a, It's not a reflection of any kind of service of God. And then you've got that person is now engaged in Torah and mitzvahs, not not out of a sense that these just fit with their nature because. They, they see the value in them because they connect them to Hashem and they're passionate about that. They're enthusiastic about that. And so if this, you know, this particular passage of Torah is connecting me to Hashem and I'm passionate about being connected to Hashem, I don't feel the need to go study another part of Torah. Now, if, I, if God says I have to, I'll, I'll do so, but I don't feel the need to do so. And then how does that come about? That comes about the person putting a lot of effort in getting to understand, getting to know Hashem in a way that moves them in that way. And that's something they have to maintain, and that's something they have to put effort, that's something they have to, to really do. And so now the whole Torah mitzvah has taken on a whole new quality. Okay. Now, think about it. If you're in a relationship with anybody, I don't care if it's a romantic relationship, parent, child, friendship, doesn't matter, yeah? Where's the part where it's actually really a relationship between the other person and you? the stuff that they do because it's their nature to anyway do it or the stuff they do because it's the right thing to do. Which one? Okay. I, I, I give you a blessing that you figure <laughs> that out. <laughs> wait, wait, you're two, you're, <laughs> I gave you two choices. The stuff they do because it's because it's, because it's it's natural for them to do or the stuff that they do because you know, it's the right thing to do. Which one? Not
1: the right thing, so, but it's the right thing. You don't want someone to like Give you flowers because it's the right thing to do. That's right. You don't worry.
0: Right? Yeah. You you also don't want to give someone to give you flowers because they're just kinda of person who naturally likes handing out flowers to people. That's right. Both are wrong. You want them to be doing it because because,
1: because it's personal. Because it's right. Right. Right.
0: right? Yeah. So if I'm learning Torah because I'm naturally the intellectual type, so I'm learning Torah. That's not, really a, that's not really me relating to God. The, the Torah is very valuable. But, and if I'm learning Torah because it's the right thing to do, again, it's not me relating to God. When is it me relating to God? When I'm learning Torah because I want to be with God. And I want to be with God because I know who God is in some sense that's meaningful to me. And the thing is, that is not natural for the non sadic So that's something you have to master your nature in order to achieve. That's what it means to be serving God. Then we say that mitzvah is someone who's serving God. And that's manifest you see that the 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 way they do mitzvahs isn't limited by what the mitzvahs technically demand. Like learning has you have to learn you have to learn this amount or give this amount of tzedakah. The only frustrating
1: part with this, I'm not only part of part and not only is that like the complication part makes it feel fake. It makes it feel like and the fact that like Sometimes you're gonna be doing it at an HR centralized the fact that it's so fluctuant and there's no consistency is very frustrating as a human. And is there ever a place like there's always something you have to work on, yeah? There's everything yep, like, the there have like, well did film out the chat. That could be, but that's before. not
0: something you that's not something you should expect. Right. It could it happens, but it's not something you should I mean,
1: expect. You should expect that if you're gonna learn before and really think about whatever, then you'll be present in your soon. If you don't, you won't.
0: Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Let, 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 but let me, let me take it out of God for a second and put it on, in human terms because I think it'll make it a little bit easier to relate to. God willing, you all get married? Okay. Um, the natural order of things is that the female lifespan is how long?
1: Longer. What? Longer than
0: men's. It is longer than men's, but how long? Years. 80 years. Okay, so yeah, it's eight around 80 years, yeah? average lifespan average. it's yeah, average it's depends it's on the country the people also die at 60 I mean like you know averages are averages so let's go let's go in the world in America let's let's just go with let's just let's just, go, let's just go let's just go with 90 90 is a nice number
1: yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's a, a 90 120 One hundred. 120,
1: 120. Run <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's go with 90, okay? So 90. Let's say, let's say, just for argument's sake, a person gets married, I don't know all of your ages, but let's just say someone gets married between the age of 20 and 30, okay? Okay? So from 20 to 30, 20 to 30 till 90 gives you how many years? That gives you 60, 70 years. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Is there any way you can say now in your 20s that for sure I am going to really love, in a real sense, this person for the next 60, 70 years?
1: Absolutely. Oh,
0: I'm kidding. Trust I me now. Yes. No. It's not Not every day consistently in the way no. that i would no.
1: like. No. If you're, gonna, if you're going to...
0: It doesn't matter how you define love. You don't have to worry about defining love. You just have to realize you just have to realize something. Have you people? People change over time. That's very beautiful. It doesn't always happen. I, I know your parents are amazing, but but this is the point I'm trying to make. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. You won't. You don't even know you, how you're going to be. In people change. People really change. People really change. People really, 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 really change. I cannot emphasize this enough. It's very important. People really change. Yeah. Do they
1: change or the real part of them come down?
0: It doesn't matter. Practical purposes, they're different. You meet somebody, you know, for the purposes of the point I'm trying to make, when you meet someone in their 30s and you meet someone in their 50s, they're very different, whether that's a deeper part of them, a truer part of them, or they radically, really, it's a change. It doesn't matter. It's not the same. In, in significant ways, it's not the same person.
1: Uh, experience, experience, human uh, beings
0: grow, uh, a lot of things. Time, yeah. I wonder how they will be. Okay. So now. Okay. But can you make a commitment that you are going to try to see this person in a positive light and what's important and good about them and what you can resonate with? And even though you don't know what that's going to be, but... You, I mean, most people have good things in them. Yeah. So that you can commit to? Yeah. So you're, are you committing to a feeling or are you committing to a way of thinking about them? And if you maintain that, can you be like the couple that keeps re falling in love every few years? Sure. But it's different. Why? Because you're different people. You're different stages. You're not the same. Yeah. But that's the beauty of it. Of course that's the beauty of it. But that's the same thing Albert was describing here. There is an element of artificial, that's one way to put it, but there's an, also an element of creativity, of engagement. You can think of it two ways. What you're saying is, yeah, it's not just an automatic thing. It's not just you've achieved it and that's it. It has to constantly be reaffirmed and recreated and redone. But but that's but that's something that you can commit to doing, and that someone who serves God is a person who who is always trying to do what, to 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 grow and relate to Hashem in such a way that Hashem is important, Hashem is true, Hashem is grand, Hashem is. In- Meaningful in such a way that arouses these feelings of love and passion for Hashem, that, that, that's what drives them to do the mitzvah as opposed to how religious they are based on their childhood, how comfortable they are, what their personal temperament is. I mean, you know, for, you know, so, those sorry, things don't matter to them, those other are things aren't what driving it. what I was talking
1: about how it's better to have all the habits in place and
0: know Right. If you have all the habits in place, you still have something to fall back upon. Oh, well,
1: that's, that's, all, that's also something you you know that you can do. Like, that's that's the
0: state of mind. Right, but here he's talking, the state of mind of serving God is the state of mind to think about God in such a way that will will change how I feel. And that's the mastery over your nature. And that's really what it means to have adult relationships with people that are long-term, whether it's a marriage or friendship. Your friendships are also going to change. I have a friend. um, I have more than one friend, but I, 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 I have a friend who... When we became friends, he was in one place in his life, and now he's in a very different place in his life. Oh, you mentioned. Him. And um, it's like not the same at all. So, like, the nature of the nature of real friendship is also to like, to choose to look to see how they're important, how they're significant, how they're positive, how they resonate with you, how make how arouse within yourself feelings of wanting to be involved in their life. So, yes, is there the tzaddik who somehow achieves this and then it just flows and it's, and it's automatic? And, yeah, that, that's true. Um, but I don't want to spend time with that. What I want to – is that what you're calling artificial doesn't have to be viewed as artificial. And really, the more you get into it, it doesn't feel artificial. All it just feels is it feels conscious and purposeful. That's true. But
1: then also, corundry, discipline should be getting – every time we do it, should be getting deeper.
0: Well, what you have to do is you have to be realistic and you have to look at what's the trend of a person's life rather than moment-to-moment types of things. Because moment-to-moment is only good about... This is a very important rule in life. Moment-to-moment is only good when you're evaluating behavior. I'll explain to you what I mean. If uh, one moment you decide... Use a extreme example. One moment a person decides to drive drunk, that's really bad. Why? It only takes one moment of driving drunk to kill somebody, right? Yeah. Okay, so then you know I usually never dry drunk. Drugs just this one time—that's a stupid thing to say, okay. right? But if you're not talking about behaviors, you're talking about this 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 more inner thing, right? How you relate to things, right? So then, yeah, you should, you really want to look at the trends of life, not the moment to moment. Okay, the, in other words, that—I'll give you an example. Um, if you have a friend, or if you have a friend, a spouse, adult, children, whatever, they're going to annoy you. People annoy each other, and when you get annoyed, at the moment, how do you feel towards the person that annoys you?
1: Go Don't
0: away. say annoyed. Like describe what it feels like. Go, go, go away. Go away. These are the opposite of relationship, right? Is that a problem?
1: Yeah. It's not a problem. Yeah. That's not a problem.
0: <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> you know why it's not a problem? Why ever because if it's something that happens from time to time in the moment and you don't get stuck there and you don't make a big deal about it it doesn't change how you relate to them overall there's a reason why our thoughts aren't out loud and you move on in life really,
1: they really are.
0: now if that becomes starts to, starts to really sink into how you relate to the person that's going to be a problem so the same thing, you think that you think the person who serves God, every single mitzvah all the time is always like the way we're describing here? No, yeah. but this is a consistent feature of how they're living their life, that they're recognizing the significance and greatness of Hashem that makes them feel passionate about being with Hashem, and that's what motivates their mitzvahs, and therefore their mitzvahs are not limited by strictly what's technically required or what they're used to or what they're comfortable with, but they have kind of an addictive quality to them, okay? Does it happen 24 hours a day, seven days a week? No but it doesn't need to. This is the character, this is the quality of how this person is relating to a And so those. this is a person who can say someone who's serving God, but it's something they're doing. They're maintaining this mindset. They're maintaining this attitude through that kind of reflection and contemplation. And now, how do you do that? Different people are different. You know, exactly, you know, just, you know how routine it is, what, what you do. To but that would be the that's what he's describing so it's not oh the 101st time it's so much greater because you did a little bit more than you're used to no no it's because what you're doing on this subjective level is a totally different thing it's not you know it's not in the same league oh this is an
1: awesome
0: that's what it means to be serving God now a tzaddik is a person who that becomes so integrated into them they, they, they couldn't live otherwise okay fine so you're not we're not a tzaddik, but 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 we can be someone who serves God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Now there's a story in the Gemara. I tell you the story about about the uh, uh, about Rabbi ben So I want to tell you a story. Rebekhiniya Ben Tardion was one of the sages in the times of the Mishnah, and he was alive when the Romans made a ban against teaching Torah. And Rebekhiniya Ben Tardion was teaching Torah publicly. He would sit in the market with a Torah scroll, and he would read a verse, and he would explain it, people would gather around, he would explain what the verse meant and how we apply it in our lives and halachas and things like that. And his friend, Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma, became ill. So he went to go visit Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma, and he asked, Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma said, I heard that you are teaching Torah in public. And Rabbi Chanan ben Tardin said, I, I, I am. And he says, don't you know um, that the Romans have made this illegal, and, he's, and and you could be punished. You could be you could be killed. In fact, Rabbi Yosef and Kisma says, "I wouldn't be surprised if they burn you alive together with the Torah school you teach from." And Rabbi Rabbi Ben Tardin says, "Well, God will have mercy on me." And Rabbi Yosef and Kisma says, "Who do you think put the Romans in charge of us? God." What's this nonsense of God will have mercy on you? No, God's not going to have mercy on you. You're going to, you're, they're, going to they're going to burn you alive. Rabbi Yusuf and It did burn alive. We'll get to that. So then what Rabbi Kineen of follow-up question is, well, am I going to merit the world to come? That's his question. So he accepts the fact that he's going to be burned alive for teaching Torah, and he wants to know is he going to merit the world to come? And so Rabbi Yusuf and Kisma says, well, have you done anything special? In life? Yeah. And Rabbi Chalim Ertardian says, yes, well, there was this one time that I, someone came and collecting tzedakah and I gave a pa, uh, a sack of coins to tzedakah and only then discovered that those sack of coins I had set aside to, to purchase my Purim feast. Someone came to the door and he gave some money for tzedakah and he, but he... It was mistaken. That money had actually already set aside for his oh, perm feast. So, really, he should go to the coins that he set aside for tzedakah and use them now for his perm feast, right? That makes sense. He says, but I didn't do that. I, I could have collected the money back from the tzedakah fund, but I, I didn't. I just, you know, I let it be. I gave extra Tsudaka. That was his one special thing that he did.
1: Well, that is special.
0: And Rabbi Yossi ibn Kisma says, "I hope that my place is together with you in the world to come." What did he do for his What? What did he do for his city? Nothing. I don't know, he, I don't know, spend money out of pocket. Um, no, he spent money out of pocket. Sure he sure had some other money. Um, in the end, by the way, they, they did they did uh, execute Rabbi Chaim ben and they wrapped him up in the Torah scroll, and they put wet wool all around him so that he would die slowly. And they set him on fire. We read about it on your Kippur, by the way. Mm -hmm. So now, there's a person who's willing to teach Torah publicly and be killed for it. And he's not sure if he's going to get the world to come. If he's going to merit to go into the world to come. Does that sound weird? Yeah. Yeah. And what's the reason why he merits the world to come? Is that one time he gave extra money to tzedakah by mistake. And instead of collecting it back from the tzedakah fund... He let them keep it, <laughs> which I mean is a nice thing to do, but like that's not the you know the end all and be all of everything. But where comes natural for it. Right. So he said. So he was concerned that maybe he's one of these like very studious, disciplined, you know, deep people, and when you have those kinds of people and they have a value for something, willing to die for their values, sure. Like, could a person teach Torah publicly and be willing to be executed for teaching Torah because this is kind of their personality? Yeah. yeah. Now, what? There, there, are people who they're are very just very—they're very principled and very deep and very profound, and whatever they convince them is the truth, they're willing to die for. It's a certain personality trait. But they getting to the, the back not Well, now the thing is like this: people who are like that tend to be very particular. They tend to be very rigid. They tend to be very precise. The things have to be according to the truth, and so according to the truth, the Tzedakah fund is entitled to X amount of money, and they mistakenly got too much money. What would a person who's that principle do? Take, it, take back. it back. Why didn't he go take it back? He mastered his nature. It wasn't about his nature. It was about his love of God. And he what But the, here's the really interesting: Was he sure about that? No, he wasn't sure. He asked. Because like, he wasn't like saying, like I'm doing this to me again. like he was, just, he was going based on his inner drive and he wasn't sure. Is my inner drive really something that I've cultivated in terms of my relationship with God? Or is it? He asked for well, a kiss him, is he going to get the world to come? He wasn't uh, sure. Because the thing is, like everybody knows if you're doing something you're comfortable doing or you're forcing yourself to do it. Right? You don't need to ask someone else about that. But if you're doing something because you're into it, is it so obvious to you whether it's, you're into it just because of your nature or you're into it because you've cultivated that appreciation? that always so obvious? In other words, the person who's doing the thing that they anyway enjoy doing, and the person who's doing something because they've mastered their nature, are not so easy to tell apart. Feel like the same thing? On some level, now, if, you, you know, you, 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 if you're really attentive to yourself, maybe you can tell the difference to some degree, but sometimes it's helpful to have that kind of outside thing, and you see that it's not limited to a particular avenue, or a particular pattern. Right? When your enthusiasm is in all the mitzvahs, regardless of how different they are, that's an indication that maybe it's about your awareness of God and how much you want to be with him and not about your nature. You know, why is it that some people are really enthusiastic about, like, you know, you know, Chabad has this thing about, like, going out and spreading Judaism? Some people are really into this. Is that because they're in love of God, with God and they, they're enthusiastic about Judaism? Or is it just because they're naturally people who are like outgoing and they're very social and they like. It's it's not an easy question to answer, but if that person is equally enthusiastic about sitting over a tome of Talmud, probably it has more to do with God. But if they're only enthusiastic about like outrage and they're not enthusiastic about doing mitzvahs that are very, very the feel of them is very different. Maybe that is an indication. It's much more to do with their... Sure, so. I don't egos maybe it. It's about their the nature. What yeah, they're comfortable
1: and Yeah. And that's why um, we learned with LH That the shift's gonna come when you go. if you're an introvert, you like act extroverted in a way, and like trying to bring people. And then when you're an extrovert, you sit down
0: Right, but the way he's describing it here, it's not just that you're doing it; it's that you want to do it. Right? That the person is master their nature because right? mastering their nature has to do with the fact that they, they have this enthusiasm, this love for Hashem. Not they're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Okay. But even if
1: you're doing it. Well, we'll get to the
0: we'll get to, we'll get to that next. Okay. So I want us to like stop and let's think about it. When we say that Hashem wants us to do things that are above and beyond or outside what's natural for us. For us, right? What is he really saying he wants? If we were to stop the chapter here. He wants a relation. He wants you. right? That's what he's saying. Right? He's not saying, he's not saying, I want things to be hard. I want things to be difficult. To get yourself to that point maybe is hard and it's difficult, but once you're there, like you're enthusiastic, you're into it. He wants it to be you're doing this and you're doing it is about connecting to him. Okay. So this then leads me to a very another important point, which is which is which I think is critical. If a person feels like they're being put upon or taken advantage of because of what Hashem is demanding of them, but they do it anyway, does that have the value that our chapter is talking about? No. 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 Now, there could be the mitzvah they're doing is incredibly valuable. I'm not saying not, but the the value that we're describing here is missing. So So much. So, yeah. much. So, so, do, so, does people steal it? It just doesn't make it right. Hey,
1: no, i <laughs> <laughs> No, that's all I'm saying. I'm stealing.
0: <laughs> no, but it, the fact that something is common doesn't make it right. Not
1: so common. Do you do the so thing that God, like, <laughs> students, like, do it like God says in the as you do it, and like, you're yearning for connection, but then you still feel. Um, it, it makes
0: you feel miserable or something. Then, then, then what's happening is that people are complicated. In other words... No, I think this is very important. <laughs> to talk about an idea, you can talk about an idea, you can explain it, you can define it, you can pass judgment on it. You talk about a person. There's so many things happening to a person at once. On some level, part of you, this resonates and you're enthusiastic you wonder, and you're under it. some part, you're resentful. like, And that's just the complications of people. Like, There's no... This is one of the reasons why, like, judging people, even yourself, is a little bit of a silly thing to do. Right. Um, it's like asking, like, what color is the world? It, colorful. It's colorful, right? Okay. Now, to ask what color is a particular thing, like, what color is this cat? You can say red, right? So if you say, like, this dynamic, that I'm doing something because I know it's right, but I'm resentful about it, is that, like, a good dynamic to have? And the answer to that is No. no. This dynamic that I wouldn't naturally do this, but I'm so enthusiastic about the idea that I can be connected to Hashem that makes me excited to do this. Is that good? Yes. Is it possible for a person to have a mixture of those two experiences at the same time? I
1: think so.
0: Yes. Is the fact that there's a positive element of that mixture good? Yes. The fact there's a negative element of that mixture bad? Yes. Is it reasonable to expect that a person can just magically make it all positive? No. So, so like, so it's like, like you don't have to like break, like deal with each little specific part, but not like the person. The, everything is in real life is going to be incredibly messy. Mm-hmm. And so then the thing is, how do I make that mixture a little bit more on the positive side and a little less on the negative side? I get it,
1: but if you're trying to have a relationship with a Hashem and you have that, that mix, a lot of times a big part of the mix is going to be, Swallow and do it because you're gonna have a relationship with the shem and it's gonna come, but it has to be aroused by doing it.
0: That's no? true. That's another dynamic that very often. I mean, I, I mentioned this before, but but you cannot feel. You cannot feel some way that's really antithetical to the way you're behaving. So if you're not doing the mitzvahs, it's gonna be very hard to get yourself to have right, this so kind of enthusiasm. Do
1: mitzvah, you I,
0: feel it. Right. So that, so we have, I'm not talking about the value of importance of doing the mitzvah, even though you're not feeling it. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this notion about the special value of going above and beyond your nature and your habit, what is the value in that is the relationship quality. So if, you, if you're going above and beyond your nature in such a way that's actually antithetical or destructive to the relationship, you kind of miss the point. Again, not that the mitzvah is not valuable. Right.
1: The way you feel right. about
0: it. it's like it's like, you know, sometimes kids do things um, because they want like a better relationship with their parents. You're not familiar with this idea. Like little kids will make a project and make a little bit and they, they want to do something for their parents. It's very nice, it's very sweet, it's very cute. What? Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's 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 very heartwarming. Like my kids are great. They're like before birthdays, like the, 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 the they, they make they, birthday. They pull. They, they they put together a thing where they bought my wife a birthday present. Oh, that's so cute. Um, they didn't have enough money for it. They, they 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 collected money from all the kids. So I told them. I told them, I'll pay the difference. They paid for a good part of it. Um, they buy. They they, they put it together. shahmanas for me, my wife, every year of their own money. I think it's very cute, right? But now let's imagine. Let's imagine that they do something like that, which is purely just relationship building. There's no. There's no value in it outside of that, right? and they do it with a sour look on their face yeah, it
1: could
0: be. at that point you feel like well don't i don't need the chocolate right like don't 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 get me, don't do it now is the same thing about like doing their chores no no because the chores have a value out other than just the relationship quality right
1: and the chores are not based on your your like your attitude anymore.
0: right So now, mitzvahs in and of themselves, is the only value in mitzvahs how the quality of how they affect the quality of your relationship with Hashem? No, mitzvahs have other intrinsic value to them. So it's important to do the mitzvahs regardless. Moreover, if you're not doing the mitzvahs, you're, 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 you're not in a state where you can really build a relationship with Hashem. That being said, this idea of doing above and beyond what is really required and what is really needed and what's really within your habit. It was only valuable if it's relationship building. If it's not relationship building, there's no value in it. There's no value in a person pushing themselves through you 101 times just so that they're doing above their nature. It's like nobody needs you to go around lifting bricks. You're not, you're, you're not accomplishing anything. And if you're doing it, if it's coming out of this love of Hashem that you have to generate and maintain within yourself, well, then that's relationship building. And that's incredibly meaningful to Hashem above and beyond what would go into just the normal mitzvah observer. Okay. So what I want to, if you do not have to push yourself, there's no point of just pushing yourself for the sake of pushing yourself. It didn't say anything about that in this chapter at all. It didn't try and imply that. Good? Okay. Now... We're going to finish the chapter now quickly, and then tomorrow I'm going to go back over and and explain the difference between two things in the end of the chapter. Right now I just want to like, we have 10 minutes, I want to just finish a train of thought. So he says, this is the perfect service of a Baini. this is the ideal, the highest level anybody can reach is what we just described. You're not going to be a tzaddik, which is not likely, the highest thing you're going to achieve is what we just described. Or, this is a lower level, he must awaken the hidden love in his heart to control through it. The nature is the left part of his, of the, uh, le- the left part. For this too is called service, the waging of the war against his nature and inclination by means of exciting love that is hidden in his heart. However, if he wages no war at all, the said love in and of itself can no be credited to his service. So this idea is, what happens if it's hard for you to do mitzvahs? And you do them anyway. Is that called service of God? It depends. Why are you doing them? They're hard for you. Why are you doing them? If you're doing them because it's important you to connect to Hashem, and so you have to like get in touch with the fact that it's important you to be connected to Hashem, and that's called a service of God. That's called that's called an avodah. In other words, what he's describing is there's another possibility. Not you've really mastered your nature, but. You're doing things that are hard for you because your relationship to Hashem is important to you.
1: Like you do something for your work, even if you don't like it.
0: That's right. Now, is that mastering your nature? No. But that's still called serving God. Yeah. So then, can you say that the actual value itself is the recognition of what and how you you can serve God? Like, recognizing
1: that situation, oh, this is hard for me, I'm going to do this. So
0: the value that right, right. So, the, right. So, this is a different idea. This is the idea is that this is hard for me, and the and, and and if it's hard for me, this is creating an opportunity for me to be more conscientious, more in touch, or as he puts awakening within myself. How important my relationship is. That's also called service of God. Okay. Is one higher than the other? Yes. Okay. The first one is... And we're going to talk about... I want, I want to develop that more to, More tomorrow. But what I want to is there's another notion of serving God, which is much more mundane, right? You're not in the mood to, to do something. Doing it anyway is not called serving God. Doing it anyway, you have to do that. But what makes it serving God? Why are you doing it anyway? If you're doing it anyway because you know deep down it's important for you to be connected to God, and this is how to be connected to God, so you're going to push yourself. That pushing yourself is coming from a place of consciously choosing to connect to God, and therefore that's considered service of God. There is some element of relationship. On the other hand, if you just push yourself to do it, is it still important to do it? Of course it's important to do it. So let's use the example, right? If, 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 if your friend asks you for a favor, and you really don't want to do it, it's convenient, it's uncomfortable, you'd rather not if you stop and say, "You know what? This is my friend. This friendship is important to me. I'm going to do it anyway." That's relationship building, right? Yeah. But if you're going to say another thing, my friend is guilting me into doing, and then do it, is that relationship building? <laughs> In both cases, you're pushing yourself to do it, but one is relationship building and one is not, right?
1: One is not I, I it feel is- so bad. I'm so Oh my okay. god. Oh, okay. okay. now at
0: the end of the day on the practical level does your friend benefit from the fact you did the thing that you did for them sure the practical thing still has its value for whatever it does but the relationship quality suffers so even there just doing it because you're supposed to the question is well why are you supposed to you're supposed to because this is important to you you recognize it's important or you're supposed to because someone else is like pushing you around and you know they hold the strings to your life so you can't exactly mess with them Okay. Now, I want to add one thing which isn't here. What if you're doing something because you know this is your purpose in life? It's not about your relationship, but you know it's your purpose. You were put into this world to serve God, and that's why you're doing it. Is that service of God? Yeah, but you don't feel like, I, like God wants me to do something. I really don't want to do it. And then the way I get myself to, myself to do it anyway is is I recognize that I was put here for a reason, and this is part of my purpose. Is that service of God? He doesn't mention that in this chapter. Yeah. But is that also service of God? Yes. Why? You don't know that. Do you, like, don't you're right. Watch from you. right. It, 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 it's still there's still a you. There's still you. You doing you relating to him. It's a it's a it's a different because there it's not about what's important to you. It's about what's important to him. But the fact that you're framing your whole existence around what's important to him. Right? That's very different than saying it's important to him and so I better do it because like, well, he's God and he runs the world and you don't exactly want to get on his bad side. That's not service of God. That's just being intimidated. Or doing something because you don't want to feel guilty later. I guess, like it's like you see it. Right? So if you start you relate to him, mm-hmm. why, why, why are you using that? As opposed Those to? Words. I don't know. Can you just explain that again? Why do you? I mean, this is like a few times that you say that. How would you feel if some old lady or man who was like hadn't showered in weeks and they were wearing rags knocked on your door? And started thanking you profusely for all of the garbage that you've thrown out over the past few months that have sustained them. I feel so bad. Would you feel? Would you feel? I would, feel I would start crying. You
1: feel
0: awful. Why? Well, I'm going to venture one part of it. One part of it is there's something that's incredibly important and meaningful in their world that to you. It was literally nothing. You threw out that garbage with no consideration of them whatsoever. So they have this tremendous benefit, and they see this as an avenue, as a, as 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 as, as, a, as a as a place to form a deep bond. And you and 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 And, and you, until they pointed out to you, like they were not, like they were non-existent. And so what you did was completely disconnected from, from anything that's important to you in your life. And that, that dichotomy, that contrast between how much meaning they're putting into this and how irrelevant it is to you, just makes you feel really uncomfortable. Now. Thank you. Also, makes you self-aware. Yes. Now, if you do a mitzvah and your sense of the mitzvah is like, I did it. I did it. Are you happy, good. Can I move on, please. Right, or even worse, you did the mitzvah without even like having any sort of real engagement. And Hashem sees mitzvahs as these deep, profound things that connect us to Him and bind us to Him and Him to us. And, like, He doesn't exactly feel like you're 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 serving Him in those kinds of mitzvahs, does He? But if you're saying, but if the mitzvah is coming from a place of, this is important because of connection to Hashem, and I need to come to that in some kind of way like the way we're describing where you're really mastering your nature or you have to get in touch with how important your relationship is to Hashem to you or this other idea mentioned of recognizing that this is your purpose in life whatever it is there's some there's some equivalence between the way you relate to what's going and the way he relates to going on that's actually valuable to him right and hello
1: chastomites is the same category here what it's all
0: the same yeah that's fair.
1: You well, have, this it's is not this. not true because you only have some level of one of these levels engagement somewhere. The highest one you don't have, but if you, if you're at an age and stage in life, where you're still doing things, then you probably have one of these levels. No, because it's
0: no, because he says here that if if you if if your if your nature is not pushing you against it. My
1: nature is not pushing you against what. He said if you feel it's your purpose or you feel if you want to Yeah yeah no voice. but that but he
0: says that's only true if your your okay. your nature is 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 against doing the mitzvah. Something that's natural habitual for you that doesn't count because that's not really your service. That's just kind of your that's your nature or how you're brought up. It doesn't that's not really you <laughs> Wait, if, if, if
1: these that, all these levels you only five, the
0: premise is that what? That you're consciously having to push yourself in that direction. Okay.
1: Fine. Or you go and and I just
0: want to. I just want to point something out, and and I, I end the class here. And then tomorrow we're going to go over these different levels again and flesh them out a bit more. There is a myth that Chassidus is supposed to make Judaism more accessible, and the meaning in that is easier. Chassidus is supposed to make Judaism more accessible by taking things that you did not have a full appreciation of and make it clearer. So. If you pretend that you don't need to do as much, you're not making it easier to succeed. You're making it harder to succeed, and then lying to the people that they've been successful and they've not been successful. A person can live their whole life and do all the mitzvahs, do them properly, right, and have good character, and at the end of the day, as the Talmud says, still not be one who serves God. And you like, well, what does it mean to serve God? What does it mean like if, if you don't explain that to me, then I I, I can't. I can't, I, can't, I can't grow in that regard because I don't know what it is. It doesn't just mean doing more mitzvahs, okay? And this is a thing, that this is what it means, like, like many people who became Hasidim in earlier generations, they weren't becoming Hasidim because they're like, I have a hard time keeping Torah mitzvahs. They were becoming Hasidim because I have a hard time seeing how Torah mitzvahs actually has anything to do with God. Like, I'm fine being religious and I believe it's all from God. Give it and I'll do it 100%. And people were like very pious and very, you know, but like where's the the heart and soul of me connecting to the truth of God in the Judaism? And so the author is explaining that, yeah, perfecting mitzvah observance is not the same thing as serving God. And does that make serving, does that make Torah mitzvahs harder or easier? Well, it makes it, it makes it harder in the sense it turns out it's harder than you thought, but it makes it easier because now at least you know what you need to be working on. You see what I'm saying? Like, like it's not, everything kind of has this dual edge that it seems to be making things more demanding, but it's not actually making more demands. It's showing you what's really going on. And now that you know what's really going on, you can actually do something about it. Okay. Tomorrow, like I said, we're going to go over the different kinds of service of God. The perfect service, which is master of nature versus less perfect service. I'll talk a little about that idea. Master.